Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me. Fine. How's it going? You have a great show. I'm a big fan. Boing. So what, what, what seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead, and he's in the, in the crackle. Charbono. It's all about the Charbono, dude. Succulent fish. What? We ate two feet for wiener. So listen, Laverne, you I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. <laughs> top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour, ladies and gentlemen. Hey-o. Gracious welcome to you, my friend. You have found the Barbecue Central Show. It's a show that talks about barbecue and grilling stuff in a fine and fantabulous fashion. If you missed the first hour, never you mind. Stick around here live for the next 60 minutes. It's fun and frivolity at its finest. You can also then go back tomorrow and get the first hour of the podcast. Because I'm recording, even though we're doing it live. We'll do it live. I also record the show. And give you the first hour tomorrow, which will be Wednesday. I will give you the second hour on Thursday. You will get a best of on Friday. Wow. How much more content do you want? Huh? Still to come on the show tonight, the Embedded Correspondence segment will refire. In about 13 minutes from now, Doug Scheiding from Texas, Steve Ray from 10IC, and David Huff from Oklahoma. All locked and loaded with their topics for the Embedded Correspondent segment. If you follow me on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, you know that I finally got my hands on... Well, wait. I finally got my hands on what? A Traeger Timberline 850. Let's go to the pictures. So the the whole thing showed up... Well, the whole thing... Sh- started to show up Thursday this past week with a griddle slash grilling uh, rectangular uh, cast iron implement, if you will. And I was like, hey, this is great. So I text Chad. I was like, hey, got this great griddle and a thing. Can I put it on a grill? That's wonderful. He's like, yeah, you can put it on a grill. It's kind of what it's made for. It's from Traeger, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay. He's like, yeah, you know, you should be on the lookout. I'm like, okay, for what? And he didn't say anything else. Then Friday, I was scooting through downtown, and I got a call from my daughter, and she's like, uh, hey, Dad. And I'm like, yes. She said, uh, there's a truck here with a grill. And I said, well, is it a big truck? Or she's like, well, it's a tractor trailer like you sell. And I said, oh. So I got on the phone with a guy. And he said, where are you? And I said, I'm about 12 minutes from my location at the moment. Can you hang out? And he said, I got to deliver this grill, so I'll have to hang out. I said, okay. So I obeyed all proper speed limits to a certain degree and got home within that 10-minute time frame. And uh, he went into the back of the 53-foot and pulled out a pallet that was completely stacked with, as you see here, By the way, if you're listening on audio, I apologize. 
And if you care too much, you can go to the Facebook or the YouTube feed and watch the video portion starting in the second hour. So on the far right here, you see this is the actual Timberline grill itself. And then all of the boxes that you see, even scooting over to the left of the picture, you see a Bella Campa white box and then a number of other cardboard boxes sitting on top of that, a longer one standing up in front of the white box. So you're looking at one, two, and eight, and nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, a minimum of 14 boxes that came varying shapes and or sizes. So this is what I broke the pallet down, took all the shrink wrap off, stacked everything up, and that was Friday late afternoon and said, yeah, Saturday, I'll get after it because it was supposed to be really nice on Saturday, and it was. And then I started breaking everything apart. And here's kind of what it all looks like once it was all said and done. So there were each of those six boxes that were stacked up next to the grill had at least three, potentially four bags of pellets of varying flavors. Oak, pecan, cherry, and apple, and big game, and you name it. Uh, there was uh, the, the Texas beef pellet, I think it was called. And flavors I've never even heard of. Huge bags, 33 pounds of uh, pellets per bag, I think it was. So I know the total gym is working out because I was able to hoist those without, like, no problem. <laughs> I'm getting strong, and I know it. Then there was, in that white box that was sitting, had all the merch that you see here in the foreground, all of the T-shirts, hats, uh, salts, and all this other stuff. Then on the far left side here, boxes of rubs, boxes of sauces, boxes of smoke-flavored simple syrup. Oh, very nice. And then we started my favorite thing. If you know anything about me, what do I love the most? Assembly. Because I'm so freaking handy. And here I am pooping myself, trying to figure out if I'm going to be able to get this thing together. Now, the good news is most of it is uninstalling and reinstalling the handle that's tucked inside, taking out all of the hardware that's actually inside of the cooker that you can't see right there, putting the legs on, and more or less, you're pretty much done reassembling the guts on the inside, uh, heat deflector shields, all that stuff. So this is what it looked like as I was getting started. Here's another shot with the parts kind of all laid out. This one actually has the legs on it. In full disclosure, I absolutely put those, uh, what do you call those things? The, the screws, the leg screws in the wrong way first on one leg, but I quickly found that that was not going to be a good look. So I realized that the directions, look, the directions could have been a little better, a little more wording could have possibly helped. But then once again, I realized I'm not that great at putting things together, but I did catch myself. It wasn't like I put them all in together. I didn't either. You want me to sit here and say I got all the legs on, realized my folly, had to uninstall and reinstall, but I didn't. I caught it on the first leg. So I got the legs on there pretty quick. Again, if you follow me on Instagram, you know that I was kind of getting through this at a, at a fairly rapid rate. Uh, this is what it looked like. Kind of, This actually is a really good shot. It kind of almost looks like a commercial shot. Here's what it looks like with the burn pot right there. I hand-charged it with pellets instead of waiting for them to feed in. Uh, this 
piece of uh, metal here that surrounds or shrouds the firebox, that's a separate piece that has to get laid in there. And this is what it looked like fully assembled. So you have three levels, three racks. Let me tell you something. One thing a lot of manufacturers, whether it's in the pellet industry, in the grill industry, in the gas grill industry, cheap out on is the grill grates. Traeger does not cheap out on the grill grates here. Each one of these are like solid bar stock. These things are impressive. They hold heat. If you swing it and hit somebody in the head, you're not going to hurt them. You're going to kill them. They are really heavy. That's not a talk-up. They're freaking heavy. They're as heavy as the Gorilla grill grates that came with my original Gorilla 10 years ago. At, uh, until the Traeger showed up, those were the best set of stock grill grates that I ever got. Not outside or aftermarket, but what came with the cooker. Until the Timberline showed up, Gorilla had the market cornered on best heavy gauge, heavy duty, awesome grill grates. Traeger is now equal to that task. Not thin, very heavy, will F you up if you get hit in the head with it. So be careful. And they hold heat, as I had mentioned. Here's the initial burn in here. You can see sweet blue coming out of it. I got a, a closer shot here as it gets through its burn cycle. And a few more. So this is uh, now what the back deck looks like over on the far left hand here. We got the Green Mountain Grill Daniel Boone, the Langs there. There's the Traeger in the corner. That's the original Gorilla, Icon 350 Gasser, Pit Barrel Cooker closest than the eating area. I'm only allowed to take over so much. Here's some other stuff that came along with the grill itself. Uh, Jacobson included a bunch of their signature salts. Here you have sea salt. There's Bloody Mary mix there on the uh, second to the left. And then you have the Cherrywood smoked sea salt from Jacobson, which is absolutely a treasure. Uh, Bloody Mary salt here. I'm not a Bloody Mary guy, nor do I drink. So that's going to friends who love Bloody Marys. And then here, Jacobson also makes a line of bee local honey which I did a biscuit test on the grill and then used Bee Local Honey on those biscuits. And boy, oh boy, absolutely fantastic. Now, how does the cooker cook? That's probably what you want to know. I'm trying to get to a, a good shot here as it's open. So the space is great. It cooked those biscuits from top to bottom, left to right, and front to back, 99.95% even. I overcooked the biscuits. But I'm looking to see where's light, where's brown, where's black, where's the temperature difference. This thing was as even as you are going to find. Now, I will obviously continue to test here. I feel that when I am gifted an implement like this, it is up to me to go ahead and put it through its paces, keep it out in the elements. I keep everything covered, of course. But continue to do tests, continue to see what I like, what I don't like, provide that feedback back to the manufacturer. A lot of capacity here. Wire fire or Wi-Fire technology. So we'll see. We'll see how it goes. You know, next up, high heat. Ramp it up to that 500 degrees and see what it's like as we do that proverbial grilling. I mean, I'm still kind of a big fan of using my grill for grilling, but... We'll put it through its paces. I'll give you continued feedback here, but I appreciate Traeger hooking me up here, not only with the cooker itself, but all the accoutrements. Very nice, very generous. And much obliged to uh, Chad and the gang out there in Salt Lake for the Traeger Timberline 850. 
Hey, speaking of great cookers, how about Cook Shack? That's right, manufacturers the smoker ovens for barbecue lovers with any amount of barbecue experience, whether you barbecue in the backyard, on the competition circuit, or in a five-star dining facility. Cook Shack has the unit that will do the job, and with a full line of barbecue sauces, spices, pellets, and wood chunks, it's the perfect one-stop shop. Cook Shack strives to be your barbecue resource center by offering cooking classes, online recipes, how-to videos, two blogs, smoke and grilling 101s, and a video cooking classroom. Check out their website at cookshack.com. Or follow them on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, and Google+. Get advice and share your passion for barbecue on their world-class barbecue forum. Cook Shack also offers pellet-fired smokers the choice of champions because they were designed by a champion. Ed Fast Eddie Morin, the FEC 100 and PG 1000, always customer favorites. The PG 1000 actually doubles as a smoker and a grill. Low and slow, hot and fast, the pellet grill line gives you the most for your money. Cook Shack Residential Electric Smokers, the number one smoker in the industry. High quality means high durability and versatility. Anything you can make in your oven, you can make in a Cook Shack. Passion and dedication drives Cook Shack's manufacturing with quality always being at the forefront. Get the best in barbecue since 1962. Call 800-423-0698. That's 800-423-0698. Or visit cookshack.com. Jason King says, That cooker is ugly. Come on. So ugly. You're ugly, Jason. <laughs> oh, good question. What is the price point? Uh, we'll ask Doug Scheiding. Coming up, he's uh, on the Traeger Grill team. I'm not a retailer. I'm just a recipient of a free grill. Go me. Go me. Look there. Look there. All right. Embedded correspondence coming up. Stick around. We'll be right back. The only show giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue. A man actually named Meathead. The author of a barbecue Bible. Bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by Smithfield. Championship pitmasters are winning with Smithfield each and every weekend. You better start using Smithfield for crying out loud if you want to win. You can get smoking swag just for winning. You go on over to smokingwithsmithfield.com. That's the official website to keep up with everything new that's going on with Smithfield. And then hashtag show us your Smithfield. If you are winning with pork, if you're winning with ribs, maybe you're winning with ribs and pork. I don't know what you people are winning with, but I bet it's with Smithfield. So hashtag show us your Smithfield. And as uh, new promotions and other events start to roll out, I will have news for you. Or you can catch it at smokingwithsmithfield.com. All right. Uh, joining me now is Doug Scheiding from Texas, David Huff from Oklahoma, and maybe Steve Ray from Ottawa, Tennessee. We will race to the hotline. And uh, welcome the embedded correspondence into the show. All right, gang. So uh, here we are once again with the embedded correspondence segment. Uh, that's the wrong background, of course. And here we go. Um, now, I would like to. Can I do this? So here's what I'm wearing this evening. 
Everybody can see that, right? Now we'll go to the big shot here. Look at it. We got uh, Doug Shiding right there. Very nice. We got uh, the Huff Daddy right there. Very nice. And uh, lo and behold, there is no Steve Ray. Like, what the hell? Doug, what did you do to your shirt? I put the two little uh, marks on it like it's a microphone. <laughs> you, you bastardized my free shirt? How dare you? I spent good money on that shirt. All right, we're trying Customized. to we're trying to mix in Steve Ray here. Here he comes. Hey, Steve, there you are. Good. Hey, guys. All right. Late than Better late than never, always. Um, so, Steve, you I don't want to pull back the curtain too much here as far as what happens on the show uh, in between the weeks as we set up, but weren't you the guy that was kind of dictating everybody should wear a Barbecue Central Show T-shirt, and meanwhile you have the the West Indies T-shirt on right now? I mean, what the hell is wrong with you? Who sent, who sent out the email? You, was that you, Doug? I didn't get it. D- can, <laughs> Uh, look at the look at everybody wearing the barbecue the official barbecue central show t-shirts look at everybody yeah. we're, all, we're all wearing the same t-shirt steve right man i can't go gray i'm sorry you know what guess what you're fired sorry <laughs> ouch ouch a tough pay cut there that's right uh, uh, oh, and, and then I, there were two i heard that yeah yeah guess what i can now pay doug and david Exactly double of zero. So congratulations. Everybody gets a pay raise. Um, This is a uh, segment of the show, which is obviously quickly rising in fame and popularity. Uh, You guys give me your hot takes. We all go around the panel and kind of weigh in. Uh, So I'll go ahead and start with Steve this week, who, by the way, has uh, obviously upgraded camera skills. He's got the radio show banner in the background. He's hawking uh, butcher barbecue products as well. He's got the team thing. I mean, you are fully uh, perpetuated out there, and I certainly uh, respect somebody that loves to promote and does it in a very tasteful manner. <clears throat> minus not wearing my shirt. Tasteful, yeah. Have you Bring seen the, the shirt? Game. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, you know, tasteful shirt. Holding that aside, of course, in many different facets. But Steve, what's the hot take this week? Hey, you know, last month it made me think of it, David. When you said favorite barbecue sides. I could have kicked myself after the show. I didn't even think of these. A plate of homegrown tomatoes with barbecue in the summer. I absolutely love a good homegrown tomato. And I don't know, Doug and, and David and Greg, if you guys are into you know growing your own tomatoes at your houses. Uh, you know, down here a lot of people do it. Um, I've got. A, I've even have a partner that helps me uh, grow tomatoes here at my house. And uh, I just wanted to go over five. Really quick, easy steps to help you, D- David and and um, Doug. Do you do? Do you guys do tomatoes where y'all live? It's it's very popular here. Um, I don't personally. I I prefer to have good friends that do too many, so then uh. I just get to <laughs> snatch from them. Yeah, tomato sucker. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Okay. What about no, you, Doug? No shame. My my wife uh, grows tomatoes every year, but uh, yeah, I'll go into that. That's an experience. Okay, well, let me, let me tell you. Let me tell you how to start. First thing you got to do, you've got to put your tomatoes in a raised bed. That bed you, that'll get you such a better fruit when they come in. If you got that thing on a raised bed, the water penetrates the roots better. Uh, it's it's easier to work, and it puts the tom- the tomato plant right there within reach, where you're not having to bend over a whole lot. Easier to weed and easier to keep all the uh, 
uh, weeds out and all the bugs and all the critters out. The second thing, you'll see you've got to plant the entire plant. When you put that tomato in the ground, when you go get it at the hardware store or the, the feed store or wherever you buy your tomato plant, you know, a lot of people just put the root ball in the plant and leave the big part out. Yeah. Don't do that. Take the whole plant and just leave a top of it out. Those little branches will become roots, and that w- that tomato will have more energy when it's feeding, and it will feed the top part of that plant, and you'll get a tremendously increased yield of tomatoes on each plant. We only plant four plants in my little tomato patch. And, fellas, I'm going to tell you, we feed half the neighborhood just on four plants. The next thing you'll want to do is when you plant them, you're going to want to stake them or put a cage around it. What's the difference? And, you know, I don't know, Greg. A lot of people stake. I always use the cage. I've never uh, – the stakes – I just don't know what they, what, they, what they think about that. I use the cage, and the reason I use that cage is it's easy to reach in and still get the, uh, get the fruit when it comes in. But I think it offers it a little bit more protection. I even what I'll even do is I'll go from cage to cage. I'll run a um, a, a wooden a wooden not a bar but a little stick and zip tie it to each one to give it more stability in case in case we get a strong wind or a strong rain so it doesn't push the plant over. And I've just had real good success with the cage. Um, some people use the stake, you know, have at it. One thing I wanted to mention that was in the, uh, one of the previous pictures I sent in. Uh, when you put that when you put that tomato in the ground, put a little moat around it. See how that little moat how it's indented? It's indented. No, the the dirt pitcher. There you go. That that will keep all the water in there and uh, the nutrients, especially when you when you go to fertilize. Uh, one thing you don't want to do: don't mulch it. A lot of people want to make it look nice and put mulch down. Forget about the mulch. All the only thing the mulch does is just encourages different bugs to come in and they'll start feeding on those plants. And um, the birds will come in. They'll try to steal it all. And the last thing to do is fertilize, fertilize, fertilize. And I know there's a lot, the big movement is the natural stuff. I've heard of people, you know, putting fish heads in the bottom, putting what? all kinds of, yeah, putting fish heads in the plant before they plant it, you know, in the ground, all kinds of crazy stuff like that. You know, it may work for them, you know, whatever, you know, growing tomatoes is like barbecue. The simpler, the better. But I use Miracle Grow, the shake and feed, and I also use the hose in sprayer type. And I feed those things. When I get started, I feed them three times a week. Wow. And when they when they start to put out the little yellow flower, mm-hmm. I cut it down to one time a week. And uh, you will, if you follow those five simple steps, you will have the the. You talk about king of the tomato cul de sac. You'll have them just like that. And uh, <laughs> man, you'll have people coming over. You'll you have to. Doug, you'll have to police your your property to uh, keep all the tomato thieves out. <laughs> and there's your there's your tomato slice on a barbecue sandwich, which is one of my most favorite things to eat, David. I love a big slice of tomato on a barbecue sandwich. And I like to say on the side thing we were talking about last time, I like a plate of uh, just sliced tomatoes right next to it. Uh, Doug, do you have a tomato story or a thought on tomatoes? Well, uh, tomatoes are a little painful for me because uh, it reminds me of having to put in our garden. We are on limestone. We have no uh, soil uh. in our on our our property. We're in the hill country is basically limestone, and that's where it's all rock. And so uh, I had to move by a wheelbarrow because in our terrain, the t- uh, the the dump truck couldn't get back there. So I moved by, with a wheelbarrow 
two dump trucks full <sighs> of dirt. And that was after I dug out of the limestone to make it, you know, because our, our property slopes and stuff. And so this was painful. This was a month and a half uh, ordeal. Um, then we put in a garden and it was really funny. It was growing well the first year. And then after about six weeks, isn't that about six weeks when everything starts kind of ready to bloom and everything, the deer decided they were going to jump the six foot fences <laughs> and go in and have a buffet. Yeah. And <laughs> so I raised the six foot fences to seven foot. They jumped the seven foot. So then I raised it to eight, nine feet. And so finally now they can't get into the into the garden. So uh, my job every year is to till the garden. And then uh, I promised two years ago and I, you know, it's with most uh, outdoor projects. It takes a while for me to, to get to it. But um, I put in one of those underwater sprinkler systems mm. for my wife and uh, she seems to be enjoying that. Steve, do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, she's hopeful that that will help because uh, if you don't know, it's really hot here in Texas, and it's yeah. hard to keep those tomato plants out. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm with you on the on the water system. Okay. I've got overhead uh, sprinkler system that just gets it from above. But uh, you know, you're you're the perfect example of uh, somebody who needs a raised bed. That way, you can you know all you'll have to do every year is enhance the dirt. You don't have to keep bringing dirt in. You can just go to the hardware store and sprinkle the uh, manure or whatever you can get in a bag. Makes it easy. And yeah. uh, man, you'd be the perfect the perfect candidate for a raised bed. Well, actually, my wife does composting, so mm-hmm. we we spread compost out. And that, that's uh, perfect. Yeah. And and there's some bone stuff or something that that uh, the one of our neighbors that that grows these really large tomato plants. It's almost like Halloween. They're 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 so large. Um, uh, she she swears on this. Is it what's it bone something? I forgot it's what bone it is. meal they call it. Bone meal exactly exactly. Uh, David, your thoughts on tomatoes? Um, Love to eat them. Uh, I've never had interest in growing them. Just a lot of work. I'm not one that enjoys spending time in the garden. I know for a lot of people it's therapeutic. They get out there. They kind of you know get their mind off of the work week. Um, I have a very good friend that lives down the street that is major into gardening and growing tomatoes. And I know that if you're into it, typically you're into it. You do everything you can to get as much fruit as you can. He puts, Steve, he puts his plants in the ground. This year he put them in about mid-March because he builds a dome with plastic bags. (laughs) And I mean, it's like, three compounds in his backyard to house tomatoes. He goes through with special stuff. He has a special blend, all the right ratios of the soil, certain mixes that he makes. He plants certain plants beside the tomatoes, one to keep away bugs, one to keep away, you know, (laughs) different critters. It's just amazing how into it that he gets. And he'll have, you know, he'll have edible tomatoes probably early, we'll call it, Late May sometimes, um, just because he gets him in the ground. Yeah, just because he gets him in the ground so soon. Sounds like like he's got a hairy Sue brisket recipe, doesn't it? (laughs) I also know that in Oklahoma, one of the hardest things for the tomato plants is the wind. The wind will come through there and it'll just whip the plants around. It'll beat them up. And so he has to sometimes drop down the cover on top of it. Um, You know, he's Mm -hmm. a podiatrist during the day, fixing feet, comes at home. And it's like he turns into a whole nother person when he gets out in the garden. So I steal the fruit of his labor and I have no shame in doing it. Yeah, I've been a huge tomato fan ever since I can remember. And I've just been I'm not a I really haven't had a lot of time on weekends or during the week to cultivate a garden. I've never been one that's against it. I just 
don't have the time to actually put into it to do it right. Plus, since we've moved to Wycliffe, I don't really have the space in the yard. We don't have very big yards here. Um, contrary to the belief that I live on multiple hundreds of acres in a countryside estate here in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City, McMansion, that's right. Uh, you know, uh, it takes me 10 minutes to mow the front and back lawn. That's total, oh. not for each. So I'm, I'm pretty efficient in that regard. But I have a father-in-law who plants multiple tomato plants. And I also have a grandfather-in-law who plants more tomato plants than my father-in-law plants. And of course, they all come in at the same time. So I just wait for that phone to ring and then I can get 15 or 20 bushels of tomatoes of varying uh, the heirlooms and the bestie boys and the bigger bestie boys and the beef steaks and the Romas and the cherries and all that stuff. And for me, there is nothing finer on a great summer day than taking a nice ripe tomato, cutting it in medium thick slices, putting it on white bread. Of course, a nice thick layer of mayonnaise on each side of that bread, a little fresh cracked pepper, a little sea salt on top, and then hunkering down on it. I mean, it is absolutely delicious. Like restaurant hey, real, real quality. Quick, real quick before I go. Yeah. Um, the next time you get some tomatoes, fellas, try this. Instead of putting salt, put sugar on it. It will taste you won't you'll the think the the taste you think you're gonna taste won't be anything mm. like it. it is a tremendous it's a tremendous flavor profile, and I always tell people, I always always use that as an example in barbecue. Sometimes when you put something on another thing, you think it's going to taste one way, and it tastes the other way. But yeah. try salt, um, try sugar instead of salt on that tomato. You'll love it. All right, uh, Doug, you ever tried sugar on tomatoes? Uh, no, it's not on uh, my keto diet. What about you, David? <laughs> there you go. There you go, Doug. Hey, uh, by the way, let's go ahead and uh, get a tote board tally here. How much weight are we down? 43 pounds wow, in, uh, look at less you. than three months. 43 wow. pounds. Look at you. You want to like rip the shirt off and go for flex down here or what? Not yet? Uh, uh, only if it was audio only, sir. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Um, uh, as far as sugar on tomatoes, I've heard of sugar in tomato sauce to help cut down on like the acid part, but I've never done sugar on tomatoes. Yeah, I put Try. sugar. I put sugar in my spaghetti sauce. Absolutely. Just the, you know, a couple, a uh, couple, depending on how big it's going, there's a whole eyeball ratio that I put together. Uh, Doug, let's go ahead and start with your hot take. Okay. Well, I, I was going to talk, but this is old news about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction of Bon Jovi. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite bands. Uh, I've seen them four times. Um, uh, but I'm here to talk about knives. I have totally come full circle. On knives, I used to get the real cheap ones. I, you know, started out with Hinkles. Um, you have to sharpen them all the time. Um, you know, even now, I, I cut my ribs and my brisket with an electric knife. Um, uh, then I adopted the philosophy that uh, a knife, uh, and this is from Alton Brown, watching some of his shows, that a good knife was one that felt good in the hand. Yeah. You know, and one, you know, basically. So I, I, I had two or three knives, mainly two workhorse knives, a, a fillet knife, uh, you know, even a Dexter type knife uh, for a fish fillet to get the silver skin off. And then one that was a little beefier, um, that more like a wedge to kind of, if you're cutting down ribs or if you're cutting, you know, brisket, et cetera. So those were my two. And my, my latest purchase was, uh, was actually from uh, Gunther Wilhelm at NBBQA. If uh, you saw him, Greg, uh, he had a booth there. And so I bought a couple of knives there, but um, this weekend, I had a uh, uh, a metamorphosis. So, Greg, I think you've got a, a video that, yeah, this guy 
was demoing these knives and they sell the the hammer stall knives um but there's a new knife called a wolf knife and that's the one you can see it laying down in in front so he's oddly enough he's cutting tomatoes there steve yeah, right. but um, this is a, a meat slicer and oh. look at this thing how fine almost translucent or transparent yep. it can cut this tomato unbelievable i was able to i couldn't do it as well as uh he could but uh, i could almost do it uh get a full slice slice over uh, with that knife so i have come full circle I bought uh, four knives, actually three for me and one for my wife. But um, this is just amazing. So I'm hoping that I'll give up the electric knife. So I had always kind of made fun of people, you know, that had these fancy knives and the knife roll and things like that. And, you know, when you come to think of it, if you're going to spend, a, you know, 50 to 100 to 150 bucks on a brisket, you could probably afford a knife that's, you know, 50 to $100 and uh, and use that as a tool that you go forward. So just wanted to see how others felt, uh, what their opinions were on knives and what kind of knives that they had. Before they jump in there, so yes, how sir. much did you pay per knife at your latest excursion? Well, I got the show special, so it was a <laughs> discount. Yeah, right. it was a discount. I, you know, I went back four times. So I, you know, went first time, saw it. Then I went to this web page to verify that his little sheet, you know, pricing sheet was the same one that they were offering. And then I w went and looked at a couple other places that were selling hammer stall knives, and those were similar. You know, I, I. I he says that, you know, Chris, he, Chris Lilly uses the hammer stall and some other ones and stuff. The difference between the two, the wolf had a uh, larger handle, so it felt better in the, in, in your hand in terms of, you know, being able to kind of use it and, and grip it. So that, that's the one, that's a new one that they're bringing in. I tried to Google it and find it, couldn't find much of it, but, uh, it's made out of the same, uh, steel that the, that the hammer stalls are used. So with a real nice handle and I have a Cutco knife. Mm -hmm. That I basically, mm, uh, I want to sell on eBay because the handle, it just doesn't feel as good in, in the, um, in the hand and the meat slicer has a serrated edge. So when you use it on brisket and you've got kind of a, a hard bark on it, um, it, it shreds the bark, right? It's terrible. Yep. And, you know, I paid, I paid a hundred bucks for that thing. And, you know, I think. I think the one I bought at the show was probably 60 bucks, 65 bucks, mm. normally 120 or something like that. So, but um, yeah, so it, it was in that range, but I, I bought four knives for $260. All right. So uh, let's do this. We'll get knife reaction here as soon as I get back and do a read here for Green Mountain Grills. And then we will talk to Steve and David and get their feedback on knife talk. I'll give you my feedback too. I have, I think. One really good knife. So, Hey, let me talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills. If you are looking for some great pellet cookers out there in the market today, Jason Baker and the gang out there are doing it right. Three different models to choose from. Currently, you have the big one, the Jim Bowie. Then you also have the Daniel Boone, which is medium size. So if you, are, if you have a big family or, you know me, I'm always a proponent of buy multiple cookers. You can always find different uses for them. Whether it's a big party or maybe you have a big family, you like to serve a lot of people. Jim Bowie is going to be able to accommodate somewhere in that neighborhood of six or seven full-size pork butts. Maybe a little less than that if you're going to pan them right off the start. Daniel Boone, you can probably get four to five. You can also go ahead and pan them in there if you want to. And then you have Davy Crockett. So, wow, look at that. This is unbelievable. Davy Crockett is going to really allow portability 
If you want to go ahead and take your cooker to a camping destination, if you want to go ahead and bring it to a tailgate scenario, if you don't have that outlet to traditional power, all you need is a 12-volt outlet, and away you go. So you can get two, maybe three on that Davy Crockett if you want. So you're not sacrificing a terrible amount of cooking capacity for portability. Plus, it's all pellet-fired stuff, so you're going to get that great flavor that you have come to know and love when it comes to pellet cooking. Plus, the Daniel Boone and the Jim Bowie have the accessibility, both of them, to accommodate that high-heat pizza oven insert, which I know you're going to love. It's $150 or less. Definitely something you want to get if you're going to get a Daniel Boone or Jim Bowie. So don't cheap out on the pizza oven. Get it. You're going to love it. You can make pizzas in two or three minutes. Basically, whatever you have the cooker set at, double that amount. And then that's where you're cooking at around the stone. For me, I like to keep the cooker at about 320 degrees. It's about 640 degrees on the stone. And you're flipping out pizzas in two to three, maybe four minutes. GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. Longtime sponsor of the show. And we are back with more Embedded Correspondence Looney Tunes edition coming up next. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. Hey, this portion of the show brought to you by Fireboard Monitor. Up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. And if you have Alexa or Google Assistant in your home, you're lucky because Fireboard is fully integrated with both. Constantly learning new skills. My Alexa just fired up right now on my desk. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com. That's fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. Going to have Ted Conrad on here in two, maybe three weeks. Well, I'm sure we're all very proud of ourselves, aren't we? Look at you guys. So there's, uh, let me pull you up here. Steve Ray now has, that's the official Amazon official Barbecue Central Show t-shirt. Um, Steve, what do you think? Is that is it too aggressive of a, of, of a size of image there? Or is it okay? No, no. I, it's I, like right? the, I like the the big image. You do? I'm a big guy, man. Doug, I wear it well. What do you think, Doug? Is that too big of an image on a t-shirt? Uh, well, you know, I'm partial to the one that Kevin uh, did, but uh, I I do like it though. Now you're you've gone Don Johnson yourself here. It, originally, it was Steve. Uh, you've made a wardrobe change. Uh, some yep. would call that a more we're, we're a wardrobe just malfunction. We're on the same page, and I can't get yeah. the guys to yeah, we just can't, the can't, oh, can't yeah. seem to do it. And look, here's David Huff from and, Oklahoma via uh, the Miami Keys. It looks like. <laughs> wow! Uh, there was a there was a reflection coming off of Steve's forehead. I had to put on the shades, and you had to change your shirt on top of that, right? Yeah. Well, I thought that we were going Hawaiian like Steve, but apparently he went back to Central Show. Wow. I can't keep up, Greg. Wow, this is uh, the the likes of something I have never seen. You uh, you create or you breed? Or you, I don't know what the hell I'm even trying to say. Anymore. We're busy during the week. Greg. Hey, Creative. Right. Hey, Creative. I love it. Creativity is great. That's why it's the embedded correspondence segment. All right. So uh, Doug talked about knives' importance, or he's kind of come full circle in the. Uh, the buying in of having a value knife, or not a value, but a valuable knife in your arsenal. Um, both of the the other two are competition cooks to some degree and are uh, extreme home chefs as well. Uh, David, what do you think about knives? What do you have? And, and do you find or do you buy into the value that, or do you subscribe to the fact that having a great knife is something of value? 
One hundred percent, I I do. Um, I, I think a few months ago when I was given my top things that I tell friends that want to cook, one of them was make sure you have the right tools, and knives is number one on that list. Mm-hmm. I used to just get cheap knives from Sam's Club. Um, I think for ten bucks you can get two knives, the white handled restaurant. Yep. quality, if you will. And I used to use those and I'd let them go dull. And and when somebody said, man, you need to get a good set of knives, you need to keep them sharp, hone them, um, you know, dial them in. I Now I haven't gone premium, premium. Uh, I have a nice set of Victorinox. I think, uh, uh, Doug, you, you called it the knife roll. I have that that mm-hmm. I take with me. It's got a boning knife, a fillet, uh, one of my favorite knives in there is the cleaver. If you get a really sharp cleaver, there's not much you can't deal with other than slicing really thin like that tomato shot. Have a really nice slicer for the brisket. Um, I mean, first and foremost, a sharp knife is important. Um, if it's a bad quality knife, you just had to work a little harder to keep it sharp. But a good set of knives and also using the right tool or the right knife for the job and when my wife gets out a steak knife, it's a good steak knife, but she cuts a tomato with it and it drives me <laughs> insane. And she gets the job done. She doesn't care. But I'm like, if you would just get the right knife for what you're trying to do, a paring knife or a slicing knife, the results will be so much better. So 100% agree with you, Doug. A good set of knives. And, and almost like whether or not you buy prime or choice steak, get as good a set of knives as your budget will allow you to get. If you can't get it, I think my Victorinox knife roll was $250 for the entire case and knives and everything. I have friends that spend that much on one knife. So just get what your budget can afford. All right, uh, Steve, your thoughts on knives. I agree wholeheartedly with Doug and David. The uh, quality of a knife is important. Uh, my um, This is what I use. This is my brisket knife, just like, just like that. This happens to be a case. Uh, this is a case double uh, X623. Uh, it's, it's got the coarse uh, teeth on it, Doug, like you were talking about. It does. Uh, the one I use in competition, which is in my food truck, it's a Gunner Wilhelm, and it's got the real fine teeth, and it's oh, okay. it's a wonderful piece of equipment. But you know, the thing is, um, like when I when I first started barbecuing, like everybody, I thought you needed a bunch of knives. You know, I, for some reason, I thought I was a chef. Uh, I learned quickly that I wasn't. I was just a barbecue <laughs> cook, and uh, that's one knife. And this is the other knife that I have, uh, the Victoria yeah, like Knox like seven yeah, yeah. foot uh, boner that um, I got bought that from uh, David Bosca. And I had two of them, and uh, Tim Moy's got the other one now down in Florida. He barred it at the World Food Championships. And uh, next time oh. I see Tim, I hope to get my seven-inch bony knife back. But Online uh, fireball. And, <laughs> yeah. and, and I definitely recommend the curved one like that as opposed to the straight. It makes a big difference. And those are the only two knives I have. Um, I, I keep one at home. I can save one in the truck. Uh, when I'm prepping meat at home, this is the one I use. When I do chicken, I use scissors. I've got a real nice, uh, real nice set of uh, poultry scissors. Gunnar Wilhelms. I got them at the uh, KCBS, um, the one, the Atlanta um, convention that they had a year or so ago. And um, I met that same guy. I'm sure you know we probably met the same yep. fellow from Germany. Yeah, yeah, nice yeah. And yeah, I bought a nice those. pair of scissors, and uh, man, he works. They work great on chicken. So I have three tools I, I use to prep meat, and that's it. Uh, I have, hmm, I, I've never really owned a, a bunch of really good knives. I have, a knife set that I've had for like, oh my God, 10 years. I don't know if you ever watched that infomercial with that fat chef Tony guy. 
who did the Miracle Blades. Uh, and it was yeah. steak knives, and there was a I have big, a set of miracle blades. Yes, Greg, right. I know with what the, the, the rock and chop with the with the with the black ball thing at the uh, by the hilt there, and you know the yep. rock and chop, and you can wait. So I, I still have that; it still works, and I don't really do. A, I'm, I mean, it's kind of embarrassing, but I've always envied all of you people with those really cool brisket slicing knives, a long, thin, you know, cut your head off in one swoop. And I would just so happen to run across the guy on Instagram who was ended up being a fan of my show, who's a custom knife maker here in Cleveland. The name oh, of his yeah. company I is, remember that. Yeah. yeah. The name of his company is Cleveland Cuts. I think it's like at Cleveland Cuts on Instagram. His name's D Coker. He was on the show actually. We talked about knives once. And he made me a brisket slicer. And the first time he handed it to me, it was like, wow. I know, I know, I've never cut anything with this knife, and I can already tell you that this is going to be the best knife I've ever owned. The heft, the way it felt in my hand, and when I cut brisket now, or cut pork tenderloin, or pork loin, or whatever I'm using, and I don't use it for everything. It's got to be a special slicing situation. It holds its edge incredibly long. It's very easy to sharpen. That thing, just with the heft of the blade, very little effort on my part to get through anything that I'm cutting, and it makes all the difference in the world. So, while I don't have a lot of them, I'm a complete believer that, and it kind of goes hand in hand with everything in the world of barbecue. Buy the best and only cry once, or you get what you pay for. If you're going to go cheap, it's going to be cheap. If you're going to put the money into it, sure, it sucks in the from the pocketbook standpoint or from the wallet standpoint, but over time, you're going to recoup that investment uh, probably 10 or, or 20 fold. So uh, anything else on the knives, Doug, before we go somewhere else? No, I I don't think you need the the whole package of you know six seven knives yeah. like Steve was talking about. I've got three. I've got now that meat slicer, which will be new to my arsenal, and that'll hopefully replace my electric knife. And then the 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 boning or fillet knife, and then like a cleaver. So yeah, those are those are the three. I think the only three you need. All right, and, uh, and Greg, yeah. I was also going to say that since I got a better set of knives. I cut myself less. Yes. I mean, it, when a knife feels good in your hand and it slices mm. easily with less effort, it's less dangerous. Yeah. Well, I just heard, yeah. uh, I don't know if it was a food podcast or maybe it was uh, Best Barbecue Show had the Pinkerton's Barbecue guy on, and he made oh, specific mention about, I know when my knives aren't sharp anymore, and the host was like, well, why is that? He's like, because I cut myself. I never cut myself with a sharp knife. I cut myself when my knife isn't sharp. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, David, hot take. Okay. So sticking with the barely barbecue related theme, um, I know that one of my wife's biggest complaints when I pull out the smoker, especially in Oklahoma in the summertime, is the amount of flies that we attract to the <laughs> backyard, whether it's the meat that's outside or the smoke or whatever's going on, but we just get flies galore. And I've made it my mission to find a way to eliminate as many of those suckers as I can. So I wanted to get everybody's kind of thoughts on what they do if they see this issue. I mean, they're not sanitary. Obviously, they're a big pest uh, on your cook site. Uh, they ruin a backyard barbecue uh, almost as quickly as you know overly cooked uh, meat would. Um, I can tell a couple things that I've tried. Uh, one is this thing. It's like a bug bag or a tube, and it, it, ideally it traps the flies. You put it in this little packet of stuff. You add water to it. There's an opening that the flies can go into and can't get out of. 
and um, it absolutely works. It catches every single fly. The the problem is twofold. One, it smells just unbearable. That's what they use to attract the flies. <laughs> is just it, it it it's almost enough to make you hurl if you get too close. And the second is um, you're attracting flies there where. You don't want to attract flies. You want to get rid of them or repel them, but you don't want to bring them in even more than the barbecue already is. So I haven't had much success with that, but recently I discovered something I'm excited to try. I don't know if you've seen this on the internet. It is the bug assault. It is a (laughs) salt gun to eliminate the flies. Uh Absolutely. It looks like a toy, but let me tell you, shot myself in the foot as all good rednecks try a gun out when they get it to see what it does. Uh, shot myself in the foot. with It shoots regular table salt, and it does not feel good. It absolutely <laughs> will take a fly out. Uh, showed on the video. Now, I haven't seen any flies yet since I got this. I got this about a week ago. The flies aren't <laughs> heavy yet. But I yeah, sat outside with uh, on the patio with a whiskey, a cigar, and my gun, just hoping one of them would test me out. No such luck. <laughs> um, the videos are great. The guy's name is Lorenzo, the CEO. Uh, just get online and watch the videos just out of comedy. Um, you know, telling him to build a target. They even sell a red laser to go right here on the end so you can put a dot on your fly before you take it out. Just beautiful. Wow. Uh, cock it. When you do, the, say, uh, the site pops up. That's how you know it's ready to go before every... Uh, there's a little safety trigger right here before wow. every fire. You have to let that go so that way you don't accidentally shoot it in somebody's eye because, I mean, it's shooting salt at a fairly high pace. It's gonna, it's definitely going to do damage if it gets in the eye. But shoot it on food. Shoot it on, you know, one thing with about a fly swatter. The, the shoot flies. it on food? Yeah, because it, it, it won't do that much damage. Um, It'll penetrate the meat. Fly, <laughs> if you swat a fly, you're going to smash it. You're going to get you know junk all over the yeah, place. It's yeah. going to ruin your plate of food. This one you can use and take it out, shoot it out of the air. I just think it's going to be fun to sit around the campsite on Memorial Day weekend while the smoker's going and uh, bug assault. It's on, gentlemen. I want to know what you think. <laughs> Doug, your thoughts? That, I, I appreciate you wearing your safety glasses tonight, David, uh, while you Absolutely. do that as a, as, a, as a good demonstration of use of that. Is there so, any way, uh, David, that we can talk you into shooting yourself in the eye with bug assault <laughs> here on camera? That's what I thought we were coming to. <laughs> here we go. Here we go. Let's see it. Yes. Doug, there's, there's liability issues, I'm All sure. Right. We probably don't want to do that. Man. So. All right. I knew it. No, Greg's got plenty of insurance. I'm sure they'll be fine. That's right. He could sell um, me one of his seven grills on his patio. Right. right. <laughs> um, I'm the guy that goes, like, when my wife and I sit outside, we have a problem with mosquitoes here. So when I when I sit outside, my wife is very happy because um, we, we actually both have the, the typo blood, which uh, attracts more mosquitoes and mm. you get bit bit more but um um, for some reason they like me a lot more so you know we'll we'll use the standard citronella candles and and those sorts of things so you know if if uh, we want to feel redneck like we're from oklahoma we'll put out the bags of water you know and you can hang the bags of water have you heard of that david where you 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 put those out and that'll uh that'll uh, detract the flies from coming around 
this weekend, oddly enough, I was down on the coast um, at the Galveston Food and Wine Festival and then stopped at a friend's house. He suggested a uh, chemical called Biffen, B-I-F-E-N-I-T. And you actually spray this stuff on your on your yard. I read up on it um, after after I saw what your take uh, was going to be, David. And this stuff is non water soluble, so you spray it on your yard around, but it it detracts the bugs, and the bugs can smell it, and they stay away from it uh, if you spray it on your yard. And because it's non water soluble, it actually will last six to eight weeks. B I F E N IT. I think it's bif- bifenthrin is the actual chemical. So it's B-I-F-E-N space IT. And you can find if you Google it, you'll find it and you can buy it for, you know, starting at 16 bucks, et cetera. But, but you actually spray it on your yard hmm. and, and it'll stay on the grass, et cetera, and stay in the soil. And then it doesn't, you know, if you get a rain, um, it doesn't, you know, seep down, et cetera, because it's non-water solu- uh, soluble. So that's something that I oddly enough heard heard about this weekend. So um, perhaps that's something to uh, to try out. Not to diverge, uh, but I just got an email in from John Dawson of Patio Daddio Barbecue, David Huff. He says the bug assault gun is absolute one hundred percent gold. He has used it, so validation. He's taken it go. to a bunch of competitions, and everybody loves it. He said, "Do not put kosher salt in it, though." So. I don't know if they it actually that. make a version that is bigger for shooting kosher salt. Oh, and it's supposed oh. to take out wasps and big bees <laughs> and stuff like that. I, I did see a wasp flying around and um, that's the one thing I did shoot it at. Um, I do not recommend. Yeah. yeah he probably, <laughs> you probably just pissed does them not off. kill them. Um, yeah. They are just pissed off. Yeah. There you go. No want to do that. Uh, Steve, your thoughts. Well, not to be outdone by the redneck from Oklahoma. I first saw these things, Doug, back in uh, about go. 10 years wow. ago from um, in Lynchburg, Tennessee. We went there during the summer to go through the uh, distillery and all the little shops. And every one of the shops had a bag, a plastic bag filled with water hanging in the doorway because they all yep. leave their doors open with the air conditioners going. And the theory behind it was that the flies think this is a wasp's nest which apparently is the natural enemy to a fly. Now, when I'm cooking here at the house, I raise my, I've got a, a garage kitchen. So I keep my garage doors open with my smokers outside and the food prep area is inside. And what I do, I hang one of those on each door. I've got three doors and I'll hang one on the middle of each door. And I'm going to tell you, it works. It really? will huh. keep them out of the, it keeps them out of the garage the smoke from the smokers gives them enough problem, and I'll shoot a fan out there to keep them, you know, away from the smokers as much as I can. But, I, David, I'm not kidding. That thing, if you're indoors or in, like, under a pop-up tent or something like that entertaining, you hang a couple of those, and you will you will find a noticeably different, lesser amount of flies at your picnic. I, I promise you. Or And then, of course, you can get this, too. This is a for all you podcast listeners. This is just a simple cover that you cover the food with on the table. It's a, it's like a big screen, and uh, I've got a couple of those, and uh, they work great for when you're waiting for people to, uh, you know, start start eating. So, hmm. but the, I'm a big advocate of the plastic bag with water. So nobody spent money on the expensive. What is it? You turn it on. It's supposed to keep yeah. them away. I don't know if it's sonar or rate waves or the zapper. The, yeah. the, the well, pro- not the zapper that kills them. It's You're talking about the, that- the propane gas one. 
that that emits yeah, like yeah. Uh, some type of a gas and it sucks them in and dries them out. Yep. I I I don't know of any of those work, but the price tags I've seen Oof, were you know exorbitant. Not not for me. All right, let's quickly go around the table here, gentlemen, because we're rapidly running out of time. And here's the question of the day: Steve Ray, should we be pissed at Yeti or not? Yes or no? No. Not at all. All right. I, hey, look, I'm a I, I'm a gun advocate. Uh, I own guns. Everybody should have a right to own a gun. I'm not an NRA member. I don't own a Yeti. Uh, the only time I want to see a Yeti is if I need a heart transplant and they're going after to get the, the heart that's been harvested. I want it to go in a Yeti because that baby's going to stay cold until it gets to me. But um, I think it was an overreaction on a lot of people. Uh, you know, if you, if you don't want to buy a Yeti, I don't think I don't think what they what they said to the NRA should should matter to anyone. Just just go about your business. Good gracious. David Huff, should we be pissed at Yeti? Yes or no? I'll keep it simple and say no. Just it's a damn good cooler. Just yeah. let it go. All right, Doug. Texans love guns and belt buckles. Do we want to be pissed at Yeti? Yes or no? The answer is no. I, I'm glad they have the huevos to to go and do it. So I'm I, I'm actually more pro Yeti than I was before because they finally came, uh, made a stance and uh, against the NRA, kind of like what Delta did. So yeah, nope. but. But did they? They just said that they were rooting out an old discount program and instituting or making available one that has been widely available to the regular consuming public and other companies. They didn't really say we're anti-gun or we don't want to help the youth that the NRA said that that's what they said. They kind of spun it in a bunch of weirdo kind of lie way to incite their membership. Uh, I love guns. I own guns. I want to shoot people the first chance I can get. But And I love the Second Amendment, but I'm not a member of the NRA. And uh, David wants to shoot bugs with guns for crying yeah. out loud, loaded with salt. Um, did they cut? Did Yeti cut off the salt people too, David? Yeah, right. So I, I just don't see, as I did my research and read through all the releases of press and what was said, this was a matter of a company deciding they wanted to revise a pricing discount program, and a bunch of people got really pissed off and jumped on social media, as people do now, and overreacted like a bunch of fucking children for no good reason. And I think the only reason they did it was they really were hoping that Yeti was going to drop prices overnight so they could pick up Yetis that their cheap asses didn't want to buy in the first place, and now they could pick them up on the cheap. That's what I think. And it kind of backfired, by the way. I'll buy some discounted Yetis if anybody wants to get rid of theirs. You damn right. Absolutely. You damn right. I will right. dispose of all Yetis. Yes. I will promise to dispose of yeah. them. I make it a I yeah. make it a point never to be three days away from a refrigerator and freezer. That's right. I, I will buy <laughs> discount Yetis and I will bring my sidearm on my hip to show you that I like guns just as much as the next guy as I buy your Yeti at a discount. Don't put bullet holes in it for crying out loud. Get in touch with me. I will offer you ten or fifteen dollars for it. Doug, how much are you gonna buy one for? Twenty bucks? Oh yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, I'll, uh, the only Yetis I have, I've I've won actually. Other than the Ramblers, I I love I do love the Ramblers. So, all right, so I don't this- like them because you can't push them into the pickup. They got those stoppers on the bottom, and when you put them up on the pickup, they they won't. You can't push them to the front. You got to pick them up and. Yeah, it's no, you know, they weigh they weigh so much empty, much less when you put meat in them. Yeah, it's, it's no Coleman, that's for sure. Uh, this is yeah. the embedded correspondence segment. We have Steve Ray from Tennessee. We have David Huff from Oklahoma. 
Doug Scheiding from Texas. This is what they look like here on the video side. Gentlemen, always appreciate the time. Thanks so much for doing it. And we will see you, you again you next, next month. month. Thank I you, mean, Greg. everybody can only wonder what kind of a uh, shirt situation oh, yes, they're going to be running. Via the Traeger Grills Hotline next week. Mm-mm-mm. Absolutely. Yummy. There you go. Uh, all right. Okay. Well, now hold on a minute. Let me do this real quick. Let me talk to you quickly about Big Papa Smokers. Your number one resource for anything barbecue online, BigPapaSmokers.com, the website. If you're a backyard barbecue fanatic like me or a competition pro like some of the guys that were just on the Embedded Correspondent segment, Big Papa Smokers has something for you. Great money. Fla- great money. Great flavors like Sweet Money, Cattle Prod, Cash Cow, all proven winners, competition barbecue circuit, and in the backyard. Big Pop Smokers offers 13 perfectly balanced flavors that will transform ordinary meals into extraordinary. Whether you're cooking to impress judges or friends, Big Pop Smokers award-winning rubs and seasonings don't disappoint. If you're looking to improve the flavor of your competition barbecue recipes, Big Pop Smokers has combined forces with fellow rub company Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form the West Coast Offense. And over the past few years, the West Coast Offense has cornered the market on competitive barbecue and redefined flavor profiles that competitive cooks from across the country have begun to aim for. Big Papa Smokers also has the online exclusive for Simply Marvelous Rubs. Stop at their site and pick up some today. They also are the proud owner of the award-winning Granny's Barbecue Sauce. If you're looking for a new go-to barbecue sauce that will please everyone, Granny's traditional yet powerful flavors remind us why we fell in love with barbecue in the first place. Find Granny's Barbecue Sauce, one of the top-rated barbecue sauces, at BigPapaSmokers.com. Aside from their premium selection of rubs and sauces, Big Papa Smokers also offers the very best pellet, charcoal, and wood-fired cookers available on the market today. You're looking for a versatile smoker that's easy to use? Check out the Mac 2 Star General Pellet Grill. Big Papa Smokers is the exclusive Mac dealer, and they even offer special packages. Not a fan of pellet smokers? That's fine. Take a look at the Old Hickory Ace BP. It's the only charcoal smoker that Big Papa trusts on his competition barbecue trail. If you're a backyard barbecue enthusiast like me looking for a durable and versatile grill that will last forever, the M Grill is the one that's made in Texas. It's just what you need. They're built like tanks. If you're not sure what kind of grill you need, you can't go wrong with any of the items that are featured on Big Papa Smoker's website. They have something for every kind of backyard cook or competition cook. Check out their website today for a full lineup and selection. It's clear the Big Papa Smokers is the place to go for all things barbecue. Every product featured on their website has been hand-selected to help you barbecue better. Boost your barbecue skills with help of Big Papa Smokers, the number one online barbecue store. Call 877-828-0727. That's 877-828-0727. Or shop their website at BigPapaSmokers.com. That's B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A Smokers.com. We're back to wrap the whole show. Stick around. Be right back. TV, a.k.a. WLTV, the number one wine show on the internet. And this is BBQ Center. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you found the best triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpy. All right, welcome back. Thanks again to the Embedded Correspondents joining me last segment. 
And the segment before that, talking about knives, talking about tomatoes, talking about bug assault rifles, and a quick thought on if we should be pissed at Yeti or not. We all agree, no. Feel how you want to feel, though. You're a human being. You can feel how you want. All the way back in the first hour, we talked with Sam Zion, a.k.a. Sam the Cooking Guy, opening Not Not Tacos on the come June 25th or around that area. So if you're going to be in the southern Los Angeles or southern California, San Diego area, you might want to check that out. Again, it's Not Not Tacos, notnottacos.com. Then we talked with Lisa Guatney after that. She is the 2017 World Food Championships overall grand champion coming out of the state category. Learned about her background, how she got into state cooking, and the recipes that ended up winning her. 100000 in cash and prizes. And then in the second hour, it was Doug Shiding, and it was Steve Ray, and it was David Huff. Texas, Tennessee, and Oklahoma embedded correspondents, respectively, for the embedded correspondence segment. Big show lined up for you next week, as always. Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. First things first, September 11th, 2001. And good night now.